0: And today, folks, we are rewinding back to episode 1885, Join the Quiet Insurrection. 1885, sounds like a year, sounds like a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. This was originally done on October the 18th, 2016, so about five years ago. Joining the Quiet Insurrection. As I was looking for rewinds to do this week, I was looking for ones that were maybe somewhat forward-looking at the world we live in today. And that maybe if you talked about them at the time, people would doubt it. I'm about to read from the original show notes from this episode, kind of the prologue. Usually this is stuff that doesn't end up on the air. Usually what I do when I put together an episode is I'll write a few paragraphs... And then that will kind of set the tone for what I want to talk about. It's, it's it's as much for me as it is for anybody that reads it. And then I'll drop in the bullet points. And then I use the bullet points in my presentation. And pieces and parts of that prologue will get on the show. Sometimes I actually read it, but most of the time I don't. I think it's really interesting to think about the year 2016. We're a few weeks from the election at this point. I did this show called... Join the quiet insurrection. And the image for this episode is a fairly well-known image now. I've used it on a lot of social media uh, as, as like my uh, my banner or what have you. It's this picture of me? And it's one when, when I first moved to this property. It was when we did our first workshop ever here. And I'm walking towards my pool, and there was this gorgeous sunset. It just had it just poured. We did that first workshop. It just and the guys finished. I was like, We'll finish it a little bit. They're like, no, they just worked through it. Uh, Jake Robinson who I just sat on last week was at that one. He he and a a guy named Juwanza and a couple other guys, like everybody else ran and hid under the porch and a few of them and me, we just stayed out there in the rain and we did that. And if you look at this picture, you can just see the rain, like it's like standing water on the ground and I'm in my shorts, I'm soaking wet, and I'm walking toward and I'm looking at this sunset and I'm just thinking about this amazing thing we just did. And somebody took that picture, and somebody else made sure I got a copy of it, because it just came out really cool. And one day I was messing with that picture, and I added this text to it. And I've made it again, like I said, a banner on some of my social media profiles. I said, the only effective weapon of choice for the modern anarchist is proactive apathy toward the state and its systems. Solving your own problems, providing your own needs, and ensuring the future of your children on your own terms. I call it the quiet insurrection. And that's what this episode was about. But when I I wrote the kind of the prologue for it, and I want you to think about all the things that happened between 2016 and 2021 as I read this. Well, with all that went on in the last month, I never got Tuesday's polls posted. So I have to call an audible today and pick my own show. I think longtime listeners will be pleased with it. I sat today in dismay as I looked at Fox News and CNN for just a bit to get to get a feel for what's going on with the Ask Clown Circus of 2016. A little side note for new listeners: Ask Clown Circus—that's my—that's my term for election years. Ask Clown Circus. Last Ask Clown Circus 2016, of course, was Trump uh, versus Clinton. All I hear is each side saying the other side sucks more. I'm getting emails from listeners about how family members are angry with each other because of who they will vote for or because they won't vote at all. I look and I see nothing but a nation on the verge of just saying F it and dropping a shit ton of LSD and lighting shit on fire. It saddens me and it makes me laugh at the same time. I know, as I've always taught, there is no solution in the halls of government or in arguing with your friends and family about which criminal is worse. Or even making the case that they are all criminals. The only real solutions are in acts of sedition and insurrection. Of course, it's not time for riots or gunfire or bombs. Those are the weapons of fools. The state excels at violence. It is the master of violence. The quiet insurrection is the one we have been involved with for almost a decade now. I just think it's time for a pep talk on the subject. I look and I see nothing but a nation on the verge of just saying F it, dropping a shit ton of LSD, and lighting shit on fire. I wrote that in October of 2016. We all know what happened roughly four years later. The state excels at violence. It is the master of violence. What you've just watched, in case you're not clear on it, since the beginning of this COVID-19 pandemic up till now, is violence. I'm not talking about the lighting shit on fire part. I'm talking about what the state's done. When the state is implementing policies that force people to risk an experimental medical therapy that they do not need in order to retain their livelihood, that is violence. That's violence. If I came to your house and pointed a gun at your face and said, you're not allowed to leave the house and go to work today and earn a salary for your family unless you do something that I want you to do, you'd say it's violence. So is it not violence if I go point the gun at your employer and tell them to fire you? Just because I didn't point the gun at you. One more time. (laughs) The state excels at violence. It is the master of violence. That's all the state has is violence. As I said last week, on our episode on Thursday, everything the state says is a lie, and everything that it has, it is stolen. Theft is violence. All theft is a form of violence. He's using some form of force to take something from somebody that they don't want to give you. And when we meet an enemy, we do not choose the weapon that they are the master of. If, if, if you had to choose a weapon to fight against me with, I, I would highly suggest you avoid choosing a, a, a martial arts weapon known as an extremist stick unless you're really, really, really good with them. There's a lot of other weapons that you would be better off choosing if you were going to be in a, in a combat situation against me than that particular one. That would be a bad choice. And if you're going to choose to fight against the state, the weapon you really don't want to use is violence of any sort. Because they are the master of violence. They have an unlimited reservoir from which to call upon for more violence, and they get to issue violence with no loss. See, the reason that you and I might meet in a particular situation and disagree with each other and seek peaceful resolution over violence, even if we didn't have the ethical and moral impetus to do so, which hopefully we would, would be because if we if we combat with each other using violence, You can win and still get hurt really bad. You can win and still get hurt really bad. In fact, you can win and maybe be mortally wounded. Die a little bit slower than your opponent. Violence is costly. That's why before the advent of the true modern version of the state, war was limited. War was inherently self-limiting. Tribal warfare is very, very limited. Because when two tribes go to war, you're a little kid, you look, that's your dad. You're a wife at your husband. You're an old man at your son. It's not somebody else's son. You bleed either directly or indirectly whenever blood is shed. But the state? The state is so massive. That the governor or the mayor or the president or the commissioner or even the sheriff that sends out men and women to do their bidding suffers nothing. They don't bleed one drop. They can talk about how bad they feel for the men that died. They don't give two fiddlers fucks. This is not an entity you want to engage in conflict with through the use of violence. This is a deep episode. We start out, actually, not with what you would expect. This episode starts out with the five levels of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And a recommendation to get to acceptance as quickly as possible. This is the world you live in. All the things that you've been trained to believe were, were your power lied, your entire life were a lie. Now why would they do that? Why would they teach you when you're a little kid in school, fourth grade, actually let's go let's go younger than that. I remember the first time I ever voted for a president of the United States. The president I voted for was Ronald Reagan. Now, if you're thinking, maybe re-election, I don't know, Jack's not that old, you'd be right. I was in second grade. In the second grade, we had a mock election in my school, Catholic school, by the way, same when I got myself kicked out of not much longer after that, because I didn't like being there. We had a we had a choice. It's probably the only reason that I even know that in the election of Carter versus Reagan in 1980, there were three candidates. I think a lot of people today wouldn't be able to tell you that. They might not even know that it was Carter that Reagan defeated in his bid for his re-election. It was Carter, Reagan, and Anderson. And honest to God, the only reason I remember that is because we had to vote in school and the country thought carter was a moron especially in florida where i was at the time my dad thought carter was an idiot no one seemed to say anything about this anderson cat so i voted for reagan i voted for reagan with no idea of what i was doing at the time It didn't matter. It was a completely inconsequential vote, kind of like yours if you were old enough to vote at the time. But I believed it mattered because they told me it mattered, that I was part of a thing. Why would you tell a child in second grade that it was important enough to create a fake election in their school to vote for a president that had almost no impact on their life? When their vote didn't matter. Why would you do that? There's only one reason you would do that to condition them to believe that that action was necessary to be a good citizen. Do you know what you call it when you condition an organism, any organism, so that it must behave in a certain way? Training. Not teaching. Training. I can teach a dog. I can also train a dog. I can teach a person. I can also train a person. But I can't teach a grapevine or a slime mold. But I can train a grapevine or a slime mold. That's why they do that to you. They train you to believe that your power lies in the areas where you are the weakest. So that you will expend your energy and your life force there. Versus... Teaching you so that you can understand where your true power lies. Your power lies in the only effective weapon of choice for the modern anarchist. Proactive apathy toward the state and its systems. To turn away from all the things that you have little to no influence on. And put all your energy into solving your own problems, providing your own needs, and ensuring the future of your children on your own terms. That's what this episode's about. I think it's a great one to end the Rewind series this week. Remember, unless something goes terribly wrong, we should be streaming all the presentations from the TSP Workshop uh, for the rest of the week on the TSP YouTube channel. They should begin around 10 a.m. most days. It will be more like after lunchtime on Thursday. Because the morning stuff is walkthroughs and that we just can't stream that. Um, but it'll be the afternoon on, uh, Thursday. And then it will be, uh, starting fairly early in the morning all day, uh, on Friday and Saturday. With that, let's go ahead again and rewind back to when uh, October the 18th, 2016, uh, episode 1885. Join the quiet insurrection. Remember, you can always support the survival podcast. now. Just do that online shopping, and we're entering that shopping time of year at tspaz.com. Today's show is called Join the Quiet Insurrection. I'm assuming many of you joined up long ago. Maybe you didn't know that's what you signed up for. Uh, Maybe it's giving you some heartache at times when you've realized it. And some of you might be new, and you might be like, what the hell is this this maniac talking about here? Um, What I actually want to start out with today is I want you to realize something. I think this is very important if you have friends or family that you're arguing with about this coming election, just stop. just refuse don't discuss it with them don't don't bother it's not going to impact anything. it will only damage your relationships and everything I'm doing today is because I see this kind of buildup occurring and I know like the next three weeks are just gonna get stupid. They really are they're gonna get preposterously stupid. And even if you feel it's very important that one side or the other win, just let go with talking to friends and family about it, because if you convinced every friend and every family member that you know to vote your way, you're not going to change the election. So why damage the relationship? And for many of you, you're like, I'm so over that, right? And your position is, it's all pointless, don't worry about it. But you, you too argue with your f- friends and family over it. If you got them to see things your way, they they might have a better life. They, in fact, they probably would. But um, they, it's not going to change anything as far as the way that whole criminal enterprise works. So this is not a time for the discussion. And what I kind of wanted to start out with reviewing things for you so you can either identify it in yourself or identify it in others that you're dealing with so that you don't feel so compelled to try to drag people along. Is the five stages of grief, because this is a you know this is a, the the thing that when somebody's told you have cancer or something and you're going to die and there's no hope, this is the same process they go through, and it's what happens with dying as a b- believer in politics, like y- your your belief in politics dies, and, and 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 I think most Americans understand the terminal nature of politics at this point. The the political solutions have run their course, they're done, they're dead, there's nothing left to be had from them. And even if you believe there can be, in this current situation, it's going to have to basically have its own death and and rebirth. And and while it's dying, there's nothing we can do except watch the patient die. And, And those five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And my hope for people in this audience is to get your ass all the way to acceptance as quickly as possible because things get so much better then. But let's start out with denial. Denial is what many of your friends and family are in right now. They're they're sitting there looking at probably the two worst choices for president the country's ever had, and that's saying something. Based on some of the people that have done the job recently, that's saying something. But there's probably never been a time in history where people looked at the two people they had to vote for and really said, I truly am picking the lesser of two evils. A lot of times people said that in the past, right, just to appease you so you'd shut up and let them vote for somebody, right? Because that way they'd have to explain to you, well, yeah, he's flawed here and there, but, you know, he's better this. Just it was easier to say, yeah, they both suck, but this guy sucks less. But th- at this point, I think a lot of people really feel that way. I mean, it- it's just unbelievable that this was the best we could do. And I felt that way last time. Like, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney, these are the two best people we can find to lead our country. So there's a natural tendency to just go, well, it's not that bad. And to start saying, you know, this this can work. And so you deny that it's as bad as it really is. Then the next thing that happens is anger. And boy, have we seen anger this year in the political spectrum. And Sometimes in this this grieving process, the anger is then expressed at the other side, so you still stay situated in the dichotomy onto the you know the right or the left side, and the other so all the anger gets directed at Hillary Clinton if you're on the right, it all gets directed at, at Donald Trump if you 're on the left or whoever would be there it wouldn 't matter, but there 's anger and then finally, as the person begins to progress through this, they start to realize. The truth, and the truth is horrifying, it doesn't really matter. Both of these people are going to continue the system that we have. In fact, the way that our system is set up, even if we put somebody in there that was completely genuine, the system's still not going to change. The president's not going to change the system. Now, this is this is scary, because when a person looks at that, they start saying, well, shit, what can I do? So they go into a bargaining Phase. Well, maybe this time, maybe if we could just change this, maybe if we could just cha- maybe if we can focus on this one thing, maybe if we can get enough people to vote for Gary Johnson, even though he sucks and he won't win, we could get a legitimate third party, maybe we could create a split where we don't have it maybe just it's just ugh right it, it's the same thing as the guy that, that that has no chance of surviving his disease, saying, "God, if you let me live, i'll be a good person it It really is, and eventually. Now, a person can stay – here's the difference. The guy that's really going to die, he, he has an escape command that eventually his brain hits and says, you can't do this anymore, dude. You, 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 we, here's your time. It's going to run out. You've got to do something with it. Unlike that, a person that's in this the, the political spectrum, they can stay in this thing for a very long time without an escape command, terminally you know until they're dead they can stay in this this bouncing between anger and bargaining and denial and just kind of bouncing around those three but eventually eventually for many people they finally stop bargaining and they look at it and they see it for what it is and then they hit depression and depression is i really can't do anything and they feel helpless and they don't know what to do and they still feel a need to do something but they don't know what to do so now It's depressing. And the problem with depression, again, you don't have an escape command like when you're facing the end of your life. The problem is depression feels so bad. If they don't move into acceptance, they'll quickly go back into anger and bargaining and bounce around there again for an eternity. It's like a purgatory, you know, in the afterlife, except you're wasting your real life with it. But once a person goes to acceptance, everything changes. And then they can become part of the quiet insurrection. Then they can be part of the many different ways the insurrection is mounting itself all over the world. Some people are doing it with you know permaculture and regenerative agriculture, and some people are doing it with technology. And some people are doing it with creating sustainable villages in different parts of the world. So there's, and you don't have to be part of one of them. You can be part of all of them or none of them and create your own. But what happens once you reach acceptance is the, the most important thing is you let go of what you can influence. And that is the most valuable thing a human being can do for themselves and for the entirety of humanity at the same time. It is the most selfish, in the best possible way, and selfless act you can take. is to let go of what you can influence. Because then you can take the next step, which is find the things you can influence. And 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 there's so many people that never get to that point in their life. And I think it's sad. I think it's sad that we have 60, 70-year-old men and women who are still clinging on to the things they cannot influence. How is it ever possible? How is it ever possible that you can be the man or woman you were born to be if you're spending your life's freaking energy clinging to the things you do not influence? Oh, Donald Trump. Oh, You don't influence Donald Trump, dummy. Okay, oh Hillary Clinton, she's the, like, I think she's a scumbag criminal that belongs in an orange jumpsuit in a in a cage for the rest of her natural life. That's what kind of scum I think she is. I don't get to determine that. And any belief that I have any influence on that at all is bullshit. So I have to let go. I can be angry about it, but then I have to go real quick anger, screw bargain, screw depression acceptance. Because this is the thing. This is an ongoing process in your life. You have to like it's not just political. When you ever see something and go, "No, that can't be." Or "I'm so mad." You better make a very quick determination in your life. Does this really affect me or is it just affecting me emotionally because I I have a I'm outraged by it or something like that? And two, even if it does, can I do something about this? And if the answer is no, I can't go to acceptance. Go to acceptance. I mean, there's shit that should outrage you going on all over the world today. There's there's people there's there, there's friggin' random genocide occurring you know here and there throughout the last two decades in Africa that should outrage you. But can you really do something about it? It sucks. I wish it wasn't true, but I can't do anything about it. And even if I decided that's the one thing I'm going to work on, then I got to figure out how can I do so? How can I save one life? And then that's noble. And then that's worth doing. But just walking around being pissed off about something doesn't help anything. Let go of what you can't influence and find the things that you can influence. And the reason that selfish in a positive way, and I'll talk about it in a second, selfless at the same time is very simple. First of all, we have been taught that selfish is a bad word. And if it's like you're a little kid and you have 20 cookies and you have friends and you won't share your cookies because you're a greedy little fat kid, then selfish is a bad thing. okay? And that's how we usually think of selfishness. But selfish is simply to put yourself first. And it's like a gun. A gun can save a life or take a life depending on how it's used. Selfishness can be very positive or very negative depending on how it's applied. It's, it's like when you're in an airplane and you have a kid with you. What do they say? If the masks drop, you put yours on first and then help your kid. You put yourself first. And you hear stupid people. They're stupid. You're stupid if you say this and hell with that, I'll take care of my kid first. Good. Now you passed out. Your kid passed out. Both of you die because you were stupid. Now, it's probably the case that somebody that wasn't stupid will help you because you happen to be in a crowded airplane. But you should have listened. Right? So that's a perfect textbook example of when being selfish is a good thing. Because by being what you think is selfless, you harm both parties. Okay? So we have to understand that you can put yourself first, be selfish, and be very positive. And in this case, when you put yourself first by saying, I'm gonna first focus on the things I can influence, And then I'm going to determine, of those things, the things I really want to do, the things I have passion for, the things I'm good at, and the things that will do good for me. I'm going to do those things. Okay. So then you're at your best. You're at the top of your game. You're you're in a position where I'm still working at 1030 and I don't give a damn because, damn it, this is important. And that means you can get the best influence out of it possible. And whenever you're doing good in the world, Even if you think you're only doing it for yourself, if you're doing actual good, you're creating waves that do good for others. And therefore, you're being selfless and selfish at the same time because you've let go of bullshit and you've grabbed on to the things that actually matter. So the thing I get from people, even when they've had, they're up to here with me today, right? They still say, well, how do you deal with people when you care about them and they're not there yet? Right? when you like, We're not talking about some random ass clown on Facebook or on the street or some guy I saw on YouTube. right? I'm talking about my brother. I'm talking about my best friend. I'm talking about my sister. I'm talking about my mom or my dad or my kid. And they're wrapped up in this bullshit. How do I deal with it? Okay, let them think as they choose. How about practicing the liberty we talk about all the time? They have every right to believe that bullshit is a sentient grown adult. It's okay. Let them do it. The next thing is, you do not negotiate with people in the five stages of grief. After you've gone to acceptance, and they haven't, you don't negotiate, you demonstrate. Demonstrate, don't negotiate. I have to tell you, in my life, the family I married into thought I was a little out there, and that's probably putting it mildly at first. I was this young guy, full of piss and vinegar, right, that was going to take on the world, and when I met my wife, I was making 14 bucks an hour. And every single person that was my age or older within this family was more successful than me financially. And my attitude was, I don't care. I'm going to do all these wonderful things. I was taking jobs and saying, I'm doing this for the experience. And over the years, because of that, I'm the one that when there's a problem, both the younger and the older groups of the family now come to me and say, Jack, what do you think? Now, let me tell you something. If I spent the last 20 years that I've been with Dorothy telling them all how wrong they are, no matter how well I've done, that would not happen. That would not happen. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this as I I fumbled into this because I really didn't know what I was doing 20 years ago. I really did. I just believed, and I was focused on what I could do. That was all. I didn't care about anything except what I could actually influence. But I've learned over the years from that that the very people that thought I was a little crazy or whatever still might say, Uncle Jack's crazy, but he's smart, that they'll come to me and say, well, how do we plant this garden? Or, I want to know what we should do to move our business forward. I have somebody asking me about that this weekend, coming to talk to me about that from the family. Um, that's from demonstration. Because there's one thing that people can never argue with, and that's results. And people that get results are not people that spend half their day tied up in reality TV or the news, which is also reality TV. It's all bullshit. That's not who gets things done. They are not people that sit around worrying about who the next president's going to be. They're people that sit around and think about strategies to make their lives and their businesses and their families better, no matter who the next president is. These are the people who get results. And when you get results... People look at your results and they say, "Well, shit, I want what they have." And then they come to you, and then it's easy, and then you don't even have to have the conversation about the ass clown circus. You have the conversation about the things that they're good at, what they can do. And when when you're when you're in a session where you're counseling people, and they start to they start to draw away from it, and start to talk about shit that doesn't matter. You say, "Well, that's not going to get your business to grow. That's not going to get your garden to grow. That's not going to get your kids a better education." None of that's going to do that. The only thing that's going to do that is if we stay on track with action. So demonstrate, don't negotiate. Because that's what we're doing. That's what people don't understand. When you sit there and you engage in a conversation with somebody, whether it's vote for my guy or don't vote at all, you're negotiating. And it's very difficult to negotiate if neither side knows that's what they're doing. What you think you're doing is debating and arguing. Okay? But you're not debating and arguing. You're negotiating. You're trying to get them to come a little your way, and they're trying to get you to come a little their way. And unlike a good negotiation, there's no room for that. There's no room for it because you're in an A and B dichotomy. Even when you're the person that says, just I'm opted out of it all, and they're trying to drag you back in, they stop even trying to drag you back in to the left or the right. They just want to drag you back in first. So when you're in a good negotiation, negotiations that have the potential for both sides to win. And those are the only good negotiations when both sides can get something. That's like, I have a company that provides service X and you have a company that needs service X and we're negotiating that contract. And you think my price is high and I say, well, that's what my price is, but here's the services that that price includes that my competitors are not including. And then we can determine... Do you really find the value in those services, or would you like me to remove them? I can remove them, and I can actually be lower than my competitor. And either way, we both win. Once we fully understand each other, you could say, I didn't realize that all those additional things came with that. I'm okay with that price. Now, I still think it's a little high, but I understand your premium. Can we work on it a little bit? And I say, let me sharpen my pencil, right, even though no one uses one anymore. And I go back, and I say, you know what? I can come down four points. And you know, that's fair. And we come to an agreement because there was, there was some room to give on all sides. You could have said, I don't care about those extra things. And I could have said, well, shit, I have a lot of cost in those things. Well, shit, we'll just remove those from the contract here. Does that work? See, there has to be more than one potential outcome on either side for the negotiation to be valuable. Well, when you're having that that discussion about politics with your dad or your uncle or your cousins or your father's cousin's uncle's former roommate, I think I got that right. You know where that's from, right? Uh, If if I have that discussion, it's a negotiation and neither side knows it's a negotiation. There's nowhere for either side to give. There's just none. So there's no point to it. So the big thing is you have to realize that you're still trapped if you are vested in their attachment. To whatever it is, if you if you're going to say you've reached acceptance, then buddy, you have to reach 100% acceptance. You have to be willing to say my brother, my uncle, my father's cousin's uncle's former roommate, whatever has just they're still in there, they're still in the matrix, and I'm okay with that. I'm going to go out and do all the because again, we're back to the same question. Do you really have influence? See, this is the problem. We think because someone will engage with a conversation with us about these subjects that we have influence. We have no influence. Not in that conversation. They think they have influence over us, which they also do not have. You have two people staked out in a negotiation they think is a discussion. In a negotiation that they think is a debate. And because of that, there can be no movement. And therefore, if you attach yourself to that person in that negotiation that has no movement, you've you've tied an anchor to your your ass, and you've changed your anchor to their leg. And you're trying to pull them out, and their anchor's bigger than yours. Because they have more emotional baggage. You'll never move them. And that means you can't move. So you have to let go. Realize you're trapped if you're vested in their attachment. You can't change it. Any more than you can change the price of tea in China. So let it go. So how do we fight this insurrection as, as, as insurrectionists? First thing we do is we avoid the state solutions whenever we can. If we have a problem with someone, we do everything we can to rectify that problem outside of the state solutions. If, if your neighbor's fence is leaning over and looks bad, you talk to your neighbor, you don't call the police or code enforcement or something like that. We avoid the state solutions everywhere and anywhere we can. We should be trading value for value outside the system wherever we can. We should be building local economies wherever we can that that, that do business either in cash or barter goods to goods or Bitcoin or anything that doesn't involve the federal government, the state government, the local government, the county government being involved. And and we, we shouldn't be worried about, well, is that legal or not? I don't care. Honestly, in some ways. Now, things that are going to risk you going to jail or something, then you got to be smart. Or then you got to say, no, that's not worth the risk. But things that are going to result in a fine or something like that, do a risk-awards analysis. You know, think about it. There, 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 there's a fundamental reality. We have been brainwashed to believe if something's illegal, that it's bad. If it's illegal, it's immoral or that if it's legal, it must also be moral. There's plenty of legal shit that's highly immoral, and plenty of stuff that's illegal that that is is completely moral ways for people to deal with each other. And we need to not be afraid. Now, we need to not be stupid, right? There's people that are stupid about this, and basically do a march to Washington with a loaded gun, right? Adam Kokesh, who I actually like. But but standing, I guess he gave up on his march, but standing in D.C. and loading a shotgun just to prove he could do it, and then facing felony charges, that's stupid. That's stupid. So when I say, you know, have limited respect for the laws that 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 impact things that are inherently moral, do it with a sense of intelligence as well. But don't be afraid to be a rebel. And one of the best ways you can be a rebel, I know sometimes people get tired of hearing this, but grow your own food even just a little. Growing your own food may be the greatest act of sedition a human being can take. Because it says, I don't need you to provide the one thing I'm going to need every day. I can do it for myself. Or at least I can do some of it for myself. And if you can't grow your own, find people that you can do business with directly. Do business with them. Because that's just as good. No man's an island. You know, self-sufficiency and self-reliance are not about being 100% and 100 years because we measure those in percentages in time. If we're self-reliant in energy, we can measure that in time. In other words, if I can provide enough energy in my home to to go two weeks, I'm self-reliant for two weeks for energy. Self-sufficiency we measure in percentages. If I can produce half my power indefinitely, then I'm 50% self-sufficient. And then it doubles my self reliance to longer periods of time. But no one ever gets to a hundred percent in all aspects in their lives. We're community creatures. It is good that we that we work together, that we exchange value for value. So it's okay that maybe you're not the one that grows the food, but what can you do and how can you build your, your local economy? I saw a thing on next door Which is like mini Facebook. It's like Facebook for just your neighborhood and surrounding neighborhoods. The other day, and it really inspired me. And it was a simple thing. It was a lady, and she had a picture of a a wonderfully done powder coated, um, like Yeti cup, those cups everybody's buying now. And it had like a, a, a sports team emblem on it. And she said she's doing them powder coated, and here's all the colors you could get for 20 bucks. And then for a certain amount, you could get your initials or a sports team or whatever. And it looked like she was doing great work. And I said, I love seeing, this is my comment, I said, I love seeing side hustles like this. And I mean hustle in the best way, like hustling on a ball field. You know, not like scamming somebody. Hustling, like when you see a a football player, he's hustling like that, that side hustle. And and, and think about this, we all know where these, they're great cups. I have one, my wife has one, they're awesome. But we all know where they're made. They ain't made in America, and they sure as hell ain't made for me, anyway, in Azel, Texas, right, or wherever you live, Shaboykinville or whatever, that's not where they're made. But that person providing that value to people that want it is probably making more per unit than the store or the manufacturer selling the cup, since they're now under twenty bucks. If you don't buy the Yeti and you buy the off-brand, and, and, and that that money stays in our community. Well, what if that twenty dollars could pass through? Hands within the community five, ten, fifteen times before it went to Walmart or the gas station or what have you. How how many people out there is something you could be doing? Cutting hair, watching kids, preparing meals for old people who can't do it anymore at the behest of their family. I mean, I, I would reckon in most communities, if somebody did a little bit of digging, you could probably come up with five or six older folks that need service that somebody in their family or they would be happy to provide you a few days a week like a Meals on Wheels thing but the food doesn't suck and I, I don't mean to put down anybody doing Meals on Wheels you guys do wonderful work but we had it for my father-in-law for a little while it was pretty bad and I'm not saying it all is but it was but there, why can't that be a for cash service well the government will get in the way really are you going to tell them that's what you're doing or are you just going to have five or six friends that you take food to their family see there's a way to do this stuff There's a way to do this stuff. We don't always have to advertise what we're doing. How many of you right now do certain things you shouldn't be doing, but you've been doing it your whole life, and no one gives a shit because you're not stupid about it, doing it in your front yard? This is how we have to start thinking. And when we do use the system, work it to your advantage. If I were that lady spray painting those cups the revenue I had to report would be offset against so many damn expenses you wouldn't it would I'd lose money on it because the system's set up for you to be able to do that people like that's tax cheating no that's tax working that's how the tax system's designed it's designed so people that own businesses can pay little to no taxes and so that you the employee pay all the taxes so the businesses don't have to Look up federal tax receipts. I'm not even going to give you the numbers, but look them up. Look at what individual income tax is, and look at what corporate income tax is in this country. It'll blow you away. When you think about companies making billions and hundreds of billions of dollars, and the federal government collects more in individual income tax than they do in corporate income tax, and when we have some of the highest corporate tax rates in the world here, and they pay less. Because that's how the system's designed. When you're in the system, work the system to your advantage. The beauty is the people that get the most out of working the system work in and out of the system at the same time. Teach your children critical thinking. This may be the most seditious act that a citizen of the United States of America or any advanced nation can take in today's world. It's teaching your children to think critically. Because it, 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 when you're dead, it's still going, and they're teaching their kids and their kids and so on and so forth. And it's impossible to remove the ability to critically think once it's obtained. It's impossible. Unless the person has some kind of you know traumatic brain injury or something like that. Once you understand the process of breaking things down and taking them apart, no one can spoon-feed you bullshit and expect you to believe it anymore. Your natural reaction when they say X, Y, and Z happened is to go, how do we know that? How do we know that? Oh, it, okay, we do know how it happened. Okay, so go on next. Well, that means that we should A, B, and C. Well, how do we get to that? Well, this way. Well, wait a minute. There's flaws with that. A lot of fallacies in there that you just spouted. And, and you end up with the need for a person to be able to provide themselves with sufficient evidence to draw a conclusion before they draw that conclusion. Now, if you think about the way our modern education system is designed if you think about everything that kids are told today that they're just supposed to believe, and many of them just do, there is no more rebellious action than that. And I'm all for homeschooling, but if you can't, you can still teach your children critical thinking. When they when they, when they they come to a conclusion, ask them to define the parameters in how they came to that conclusion. And don't short-sell a kid and think they're too stupid to figure it out. They're smarter than you believe. The human being in of itself, is a genius. Every person is a genius. We all just have different manifestations and expectations of how that genius will be expressed. And the problem with our society is we're judging everybody by the same metric rather than the metric of their individual genius. As Einstein said, if we judged a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it would live its entire life believing itself to be stupid. Well, we're human beings for God's sakes. We have a lot more choices than long division or climbing a tree. Some of of us are destined to be artists and craftsmen and tradesmen. And and, it amazes me that we have gotten to a point where we shit on that. Tradesmen, that sounds horrible. As though you don't walk. As the person that went to Harvard and gets lots of money doesn't go and gawk. At a hundred different patterns of cabinetry to select the one that's just perfect for his kitchen. Somebody had to build that, stupid! And that, that, that true artist that can actually not just make the shape and the joints, that can be done by a robot, but the one that can select the piece of wood and finish it in a way that 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 artsy-fartsy Harvard business MBA wants it to be. That is unique. That is individual. That's someone practicing the quiet insurrection because you can't be a master of woodwork and be glued to Fox TV or CNN. You can't. You can be one or the other. And whatever it is you want to obtain mastery of, you can do that or you can be attached to the bullshit of society. It's up to you. So teach your children to think critically and by God, teach yourself to do so. The other one that I really want to make sure I got through today to you. Refuse to be afraid of what they want you to fear. As soon as you realize that the media, the government, the society, the TV set, that all of it together wants you to be afraid of something, that should be the immediate moment where you go, I'm not going to be afraid of that. Of all the other shit there is to be afraid of, that's not it. Zika virus in Miami. Okay, are you a pregnant woman in Miami that lives where that... No? Okay, don't worry about it. The swine flu is going to kill us all. Are you having intimate relations with a pig? No? Okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm not even going to say it, but there's two names I could say. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If you can't do anything about it, don't worry about it. And if something actually is worth being afraid about it, the TV's not going to be the source that's going to let you know that. You'll you'll know. You'll know very quickly if it's worth being afraid about. If you see a car coming out, he's going to run you over, be afraid and move. But the entire cycle of society today is driven by envy, greed, and fear. I mean, that's what it comes down to. We, we, we have extravagance thrown in front of us and we're made to envy. We then are told that those people shouldn't have that, that we should have more, which is greed. And then we're told we won't or we can't because of somebody else. And then here's all these other horrible things sprinkled on like salt and pepper, which is fear. And thus the people are led like a bull with a ring in his nose. And the rope is in the hand of the media and government. And we all follow along. And even the bull eventually will rebel and trample. We act like a bunch of jackasses. We can't even figure out what to do, and when we do, all we do we we sit down until they jerk hard enough on the string to make us go again. And if that doesn't work, dangle a little carrot, the jackass gets up, hee ha and on he goes. That is the people of the world today. You can be part of that collective. Or you can be part of your own collective. We're we're not isolationists. We're not out here to be on on our own, and we actually want to help all those people there too. But we have to help them by stepping out of the mob. Demonstrating success and then asking those who wish to, to join with our cause and follow along. And that can be the macro cause that we've talked about today, true freedom and liberty for individuals and in society, or it can be our own micro causes, whether they be something again involved in, you know, regenerative agriculture or in teaching and mentoring youth or in technology or whatever it is. It's all okay. Because it all leads to the same place. The question we have to be asking ourselves is, do we see the rights of the collective as superior or the rights of the individual as superior? As soon as you make that determination, you may bounce around in anger and bargaining and, and depression for a while, but as soon as you realize it's the right of the individual, the only logical conclusion is that includes the individuals I disagree with. That includes the individuals that want communism. Well, they should have the freedom to go make a commune, but I shouldn't have the freedom to drag me into it. That includes the people that are smoking dope. You don't think they should be smoking dope. Don't smoke dope. Let them smoke dope. It's that simple. That's freedom. That's freedom because the right of the individual is superior to the right of the collective. Now, if you believe the collective is superior to the individual, then you're in the matrix and you'll never get out. And many people that say they're not, they do. Because when you say, well, I don't want them to, and they're not hurting you, you're still in that mindset. You have to let go. In short, what I'm telling you today is instead of getting wrapped up in all this bullshit, how about you start walking down the path that leads to the following destination, being the man or the woman that you were born to be, Not the man or the woman you were told to be, trained to be, convinced to be. And I don't give a shit what happened in your past. I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care about your sob story, that your mommy never loved you right, or your daddy didn't come to your baseball games, or whatever other bullshit you got to tell. Because, brother, I probably got you beat anyway. And you can either cling on to that, you can cling on to the ass clownster, you can cling on to whatever you want, whatever boat anchor you want, to blame your ineffectiveness, or you can let go of all that shit. And you can charge off into the world and say, well, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? And if you're not sure, just start doing all kinds of shit. And one day you'll do something and go, that felt good, good, you're on the right path. You're on the right path. Assuming it's not a needle in your arm, okay? Use some common sense with that. But when you when you take a positive action and go, not only was that a good thing, I like that. That was good. I'm going to do more. How do I learn more about that? And you start down that path. Brother, you found it. Sister, you found it. You're on the right path. You're doing what you were destined to do. You're finding your own path to individual genius. And if the world wants to judge you as a fish that can't climb a tree, screw the world. Screw the world. They're not paying your bills. They're not taking care of your kids. And they're never going to. Judge yourself on your ability to do that which you most want to do. And everybody else, frankly, they can all just piss off. <sighs> Sometimes things need to be said plainly. I hope that that's what I've done for you guys today. And if you enjoyed today's show and you'd like to support the work that I do, I ask you to consider today joining the member support brigade. You can do that by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking on members to learn more, where you'll get discounts on so many things that your membership will pay for itself, and it really does. I hear from people all the time that say, you know, Jack, I used a few discounts in the last month, and that paid for my membership for not this year but this year and next year. And, uh, guys, it is really the way that I'm able to provide the show that I provide for you on a daily basis here is being members of the support brigade. It's, and it's again, it's a win-win-win. And man, I'm working on, I, 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 I was working on this other thing for you guys for MSB, trying to get a discount on like aquaponics supplies and fish and stuff. And it just, I can't get anywhere with that one. I'm working on one today. Guys, if I get it. Not all of you, but some of you are going to be like, whoa, that's great. I'm always trying to find better deals for you guys in the MSP. So consider becoming a member. The more members I have, the more negotiating power I have to get better discounts and better agreements with other companies. Right now, there's over 60. The other way you can support us, and this is the painless way, when you are going to go and shop on Amazon, don't go to amazon.com. Just go to tspaz.com. Then you can click a link and go to Amazon.com. Then do your shopping like normal, and whatever you buy, we get credit for, and you can support our show. Really appreciate it when you guys do that, and I have a Amazon item that I review every day. Today's item of the day is the Mr. Heater Portable Big Buddy Propane Heater. uh, Winter is coming. It's going to start getting colder and colder. I have one of these, and it saved our ass in the great ice storm of 2011, we went seven days without power at our, our our house on a mountaintop in Arkansas. It was in the 20s during most of those days, and it was in the low teens to even below 10 degrees at night. And uh, we had one of these and plenty of propane and a fireplace and a generator. And uh when the neighbors came by to check on us like three days into it, we had the Christmas tree blinking and the football game on and the steaming turkey and gravy on the on the, the the table for you know day after Christmas dinner. Um and and this was part of it. And I, my fireplace would not have heated the house sufficiently alone. Uh this little guy took care of us and I have a write up today not only on the heater, but the large tank adapter so you can run a twenty pound propane tank with it. Uh, it will also have a, a, a link to an item that you can get where you can refill the small one-pound cans because those are useful, and a lot of other information about it. So remember, always shop at t Spaz and to see the current item of the day, when you get to t spaz you can click a link, and it will take you to all the reviews, and the newest one will be at the top. And thank you for supporting our show uh, through MSB or through t Next up, let's go to the song of the day today. I'm going to keep today's show short, so I'm not going to talk a lot about the song. I am going to say this, though. Um, I got pretty fired up today, and I'm asking you guys to believe me. And I, I also told you something I said to, to demonstrate, not negotiate when dealing with people. And that if you demonstrate, then people will take steps in the right direction for themselves. And they may take steps towards where you've gone, but then find their own path that diverges wildly, but still they're moving forward in progress. And whenever you do that, you're going to piss people off. You're going to piss people off. And over the years, I've managed to piss some people off, and I've managed to make some mistakes, all of which I've always stood up and said, hey, I'm sorry I did this or I did this wrong. I've had some real successes. I've had some mm, sort of successes, and I've had some failures. And, and along the way, as I've pissed people off, I've, I've always had people say, this is the end of TSP. I, I took one vendor on MSB one time that somebody didn't like, and I said, TSP's just going to go downhill from here. Um, you're going you're gonna to find that in your life, too. You're gonna find out in your life too. When you when you make a decision, I'm not going to college, or I'm gonna redirect my learning, or I'm going to start a business, oh your life's gonna go all down here, you know, from here, just give the same answer I've always given to everybody that's ever said that to me. You do the same thing, the answer is right here in this song.